0: Hey, Josh. Hey,
1: Nate. How you doing this week?
0: I'm doing pretty good. We've got snow here up in Canada, and that always puts me in a good mood. Got the rink boards up for our ice rink across the road uh, on this past Saturday. So yeah, life is life is good up here in Canada. Nice, nice. So what do you mean rink boards? Is just like
1: the edges surrounding where you're like... <laughs> uh...
0: Yeah, so we have like a community rink across the uh, road in like a soccer mm-hmm. field. And, uh, we don't have like plastic or like fancy hockey boards or anything like that. We just have like a bunch of, you know, from the local lumber yard, some, uh, two by tens or something like that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so we just put those up in with some pegs to keep them upright. And then we pack down snow and make ice in between all the boards and they kind of help keep the ice all together and make it so that if you shoot a puck, it doesn't disappear when you shoot it off the edge. Got it.
1: Got it. Interesting.
0: Yeah, how are things with you? Uh,
1: pretty good. Pretty good. I've um uh been working on unlocking another part of my brain which I let dormant. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay, let me let me explain a little more about um essentially I I I got this uh like electronic writing pad sort of thing. So it's just the whole so when I went on a couple trips recently like and and I found myself just enjoying writing in a notebook and just the, the uh, you know, whether it was mm-hmm. just business planning, writing notes, but just the free form ability to like write all over the place and like notations and just a, yeah, there you go. Nate just showed me some hand notebooks and I, and I, so yeah, that, so I could go into that another day, but that's been my recent unlock. It came, I did some research Uh, and, and I picked one out, it was sort of pseudo birthday present, a bunch of other things that have, and, um, so far, you know, day six in, I am consistently using it like probably a few times a day. Um, um, so, yeah. so, so uh, it is, it is unlocking all kinds of like, just, I would just say like it, it can spill out faster. If that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's it's so much easier to get like some thoughts down that are not necessarily easy to put in words, right? Like if you're drawing or sketching um, stuff, I find that like so helpful with a with a notebook. Right.
1: Right. So, um, but kind of, I, I can almost. W- what's super interesting was doing a lot of the research. Is just. There's, there's a lot of these products out in the market and what, what even kickstarted me recently thinking about it was like, Kindle has a new version that you can write okay. on as well. It oh, okay. literally came out maybe, they announced it a few months ago, but it first hit people's hands maybe like a week or two ago. So I was like waiting for the reviews on that before mm. I made my decision.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But what's interesting is like on the surface, it's very you think these products are more or less undifferentiated. Right? Mm. And like uh, but they're all like these little nuanced things that it's, it's an interesting market. Cause it's like a new market, but an yeah. old market, like it's, <laughs> are you, who are you, are you trying to get people that write into notebooks? Are you trying to get, um, start and just a war, fair warning. If you start querying for this remarkable is the mm-hmm. one that everyone hears about. Like they, yeah,
0: yeah. Just, I get ads for those.
1: Yeah. You get tons of ads for those. So, uh, which is interesting because the one I ended up picking wasn't remarkable. Okay, not that my product isn't remarkable, but it is uh-huh. not.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but it did get me thinking about that, right? And then, and then uh, you you were mentioning you know you watched this new Netflix series um, uh, about Pepsi, and I think that stuff is really interesting because they had this whole spiel on trying to again compete in a like largely undimmed undifferentiated market. So Yeah,
0: totally. Um yeah, I guess I was watching uh Pepsi Where's My Jet if you can if you find that on Netflix. It's uh it's a good good fun for the first couple episodes, I'd say. Um and basically the the premise is, is that uh Pepsi was in they were in um competition with Coke, of course. And they're selling, you know, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, which is just brown sugar water. Um, so like Hardly any difference, although I'm sure some people would be very mad at me for saying that. Um, And they are looking for ways to differentiate themselves. And so Pepsi came up with this, you know, get points and get some free stuff. And then as a joke at the end of their commercial, they had, you know, if you have enough points, you can get a Harrier jet. And so (laughs) some guy took it seriously. And that's what the documentary is about. So, yeah.
1: No, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting thinking of like, you know, uh, consumer consumer brands and all of the things they have to do on the, I would just say like emotional level of the spectrum, right? Like of, mm-hmm. in terms of marketing, you know, you talk about, you know, features and functionality and what, but what are you, you know, are you working towards like a job to be done or like helping someone achieve, you know, achieve something and, and what is, what is the real thing they're trying to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and and like the Pepsi stuff was interesting because you know they you know there was all their like they had campaigns on like join this generation and and that that type of thing so it's like reminds me of Facebook and Snapchat and all these other things too because like each social media it's like once you're in there and the incumbent then you almost loo- leave room for a new entrant to the market because. You're not where your parents are, or something like that. You
0: yeah, know what I mean? yeah. Well, I, I think probably what, what you're also trying to get out that maybe I'll say a different way is that like they they really tried to market it as like a lifestyle option, right? Like mm-hmm. if you have this lifestyle, then you know Coke is the drink for you. If you have this lifestyle, Pepsi is the drink for you, and trying to um, help people like identify their their essence with the product, as opposed to saying, well, you know, Coke is lower carbs or something like that like they don't go for that like that's that's going with attributes and that's really not what they're trying to do right
1: yeah so it's like you know the typical everyone says don't talk about the features talk about the benefits but Mm -hmm. i don't think that's a bet you're not gonna be like hey it's it's got caffeine it'll give you (laughs) energy it'll make you feel good right but they had to go even further the benefit is really like community and belonging and identity like like help to it's almost like social peer pressure
0: (laughs) yeah it totally is and i think it works when you when you like do a good job of it like some of those soda companies do even still today like it's um i think beer companies do it too right um just kind of trying to identify with a certain group of people like if you're an outdoors person then you should buy a subaru if you're a guy who you know has beard oil that he like comes his beard with then you should have this kind of ipa beer right those right. kinds of things um as ways of marketing but there's people that do it really badly too like i listen to spotify the free the free version so mm-hmm. they forever send me ads right that's part of the deal of having the free spotify and uh they're they're constantly having these ads of like you know your your lifestyle would be that much more unlocked if you chose Spotify Premium, and I laugh every time I hear it. I'm just like, "Wow, that sounds so corny." Uh.
1: You're like, I I assume this ad works for somebody, but it it. If you're looking at my demographic close enough, like, nope, sorry, you're not. You're not selling date on that.
0: Yeah, hard pass. <laughs> um.
1: But yeah, I mean, like, what a, if we could transition some of these over into? you know b2b and whatnot and it's like i i think you'd have a hard time with b2b SaaS selling into like those types of things like um i don't know to
0: sell on to sell on lifestyle you mean or like on popularity yeah yeah Yeah, I, i suppose it works to some extent like if you think of like like maybe if i think of the indie uh hacker kind of group um if you tell them that um you know, this particular payment processor or this particular uh, CRM is a, um, you know, uh, in your corner kind of gr- uh, company, then mm-hmm. you should pick them. And I think some of that does happen, right? Like I think, um, you know, if there's a, oh, these guys listen to their customers better, they're more indie-ish, then we should support them kind of thing. I think there is some of that going on.
1: Right. But it's probably not in their ads, right? Like it's, it's, it, it is, it is probably like, in terms of in terms of how they're really like what they go out and say. Like it's almost mm. if you can establish it quote unquote as a brand that you don't have to even say it and everyone else is saying it for you. Like Stripe is a good example, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone I don't you know, there's probably a very small contingent of people that don't like Stripe. But in mm-hmm. general, you know, the the community around the fact that their APIs were so much easier to use versus like the old, the old school, Mm -hmm. you know, crappy payment processor stuff of yesteryear.
0: Yeah. But I think of, if there's like another payment processor that let's say is also, if they're for argument's sake, they're equally um, good at their developer experience and at their ability to deliver payment processing. I think there is something to, um, you know, like we know Patrick Coulson, like we've, you know, listened to him talk and he's a cool guy and, um, he does things for the community and that sort of thing. And I think those are all parts of marketing too. And yeah, they're not running ads necessarily for that, but I think that that's part of like how that would apply to SaaS. Right. right. It's like you're yeah. supporting, you're supporting someone because you know something about the lifestyle of the founder or of the team. And so that's why you're choosing the company as opposed to just attributes
1: Right. But I guess for me, it's like, that's a small, like, if you think about, you know, like going back to like Pepsi and that type of thing Mm -hmm. and, and really uh, trying to identify with a large swath of, right. Like everyone in there is a, arguably, if you're a human, you, you, you drink something, whether it's (laughs) water, whether it's like Slurpees, coffee, colas, like whatever else, like you, you consume beverages. And then if you look at that demographic and, how can you slice a piece of that of people to identify with? Cause even within indie stuff, it's like who can, there's this maybe a smaller contingent of buyers that actually care about like, like who the business owner is and what they stand for. Right. Like in terms of, I'm not saying it's not effective or it can't, it doesn't have an effect on purchasing power. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're looking at, like from a market size perspective, right? right? Like people people that are interested in payment processing, you know, what they really did is it wasn't it was probably less about Patrick Coulson and more about dev friendly, right? So mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if that's a identification. We already identify as devs. So yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't know how many would be would go I mean maybe Stripe's a bad example of it, but but it's interesting thinking about how people can differentiate because largely they were differentiated like right? that. It was the differentiation was their APIs. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So do you think that this has some lessons for us? Like this whole Pepsi Coke thing for SAS people, does it apply to us or is it kind of just, Hey, cool. That works for, you know, B2C people.
1: Well, the only thing I could think of, and maybe we need to, maybe this needs to be a drinking game. And anytime Josh <laughs> brings back up status list, he should get, <laughs> have to take a shot or get smacked over yeah. the head but but you know in the past we've talked about you know your project status list that was a you know server monitoring software and one of the big things we took away from that was it's largely undifferentiated right like there's it's mm-hmm. a what we call like a commodity market which you know maybe that is a way for you to not that you should resurrect it or do whatever. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's running in the background. It buys you dinner, but, <laughs> but if we were to relook at that is like, could there be a way to identify? And maybe that is for yours. Like, could we be, could you be the indie like version of that versus like, uh, who's the,
0: Uptime the robot big one or something? Right, like that. Or,
1: or, or some of those were just like, maybe. It, and again, this goes to some of the my thinking on what I've been doing with um, uh, our, our repositioning is, you know, one of the big things is, are you, are you really competing against uh, your competitors? Do people really go and jump through hoops to find all these different um, like features and differentiation are really comparing or do they just want to pick something and go right? So, mm-hmm. so I don't know. The question more is like in a commodity type of market mm-hmm. like do you do you differentiate more like how b2c does on emotion on identifying on community on uh belonging on on all and on other factors like that for a commodity yeah type of product i
0: i think you do because like what else do you have left that's like <laughs> all that you could go for and like I, I th- what I think is really interesting too is like devs are very, um, they like to say that they aren't um, influenced by emotion, right? And you know, it's only about the factors and the attributes. And I'm, nope. I'm, willing I'm willing to bet good money. I'm willing to bet good money that you could take advantage of that if you figured, if you took enough time to think about it. Um, I'm sure there's something you could do. Like I have thought about that. Like when I was listening to uh, another podcast about that Pepsi and Coke thing. That's immediately what I thought of as status list. I was like, that's exactly the problem I was in. I was trying to sell brown sugar water just like everybody else. And, you know, how do I, how can I, I beat the competition? And I never really cracked that. So,
1: right, right. Like, that's the why, like, DuckDuckGo is this, right? Like, for a search engine, because it's not Google, right? It's like people mm-hmm. are worried. It's like there are people that are more privacy conscious and, are, you know, hate the idea of like, Google searches and the and the someone in the cloud knowing your information, retargeting and sending you diapers before you, <laughs> you, your wife even tells you they're pregnant, like all that type of stuff. Yeah, So, yeah. There's, there's so people go to DuckDuckGo because it's like you know a, a privacy, privacy related thing. So so yeah. and now that one arguably is like functionality differentiation, but but sort of the vibe was like, Hey, if you're scared and you're whatever, and, and I wonder, yeah, it makes me, you wonder what types of slices, even if it's like your uptime monitoring stuff is, is, you know, we don't run on, on like AWS. And if you hate AWS, like you're going to want to support us too. Right. yeah, like, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that's pretty much how you would do it because um, you have to identify with something. And um, if you identify as a specific subgroup and it's large enough that you can live in that pond and be happy there, then everyone else is going to be forced to pick some other pond or try Mm -hmm. to compete with you directly. And um, yeah, I think that is one way you could win. I just don't think like with uptime monitoring, it's kind of hard though. It's like, yeah, maybe the, the cloud provider thing you could do, but. um, I
1: don't know. What if it's something else? Like let's go even further weird and and like who cares so what if it was like uptime monitoring is bland right like Mm -hmm. you you know last thing you want to do is get those notifications and those repeated notifications of annoyance that say the same thing right Mm. when when your server goes down instead at like status list like we'll send you a funny gif and a joke different (laughs) every time like imagine the difference like and it's like your whole vibe is now like like yes like yes uh server downtime stinks but you don't have to it doesn't have to put you in a pissy mood and it doesn't have to you know don't take yourself so seriously like yes you have to fix the thing but at least you know at this moment you probably need a little joy and entertainment in your life and i'll send you like in our and in in any status update you get uh you get a you you get
0: an original joke (laughs) i mean that's awesome I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome you can hook it up to chat chat gpt and like get it to generate jokes for you
1: yeah i mean it, that could be but what's funny is like it doesn't even have to be a technical differentiation and it could just no. be like or like hey um like we're the only one that does everything in dark mode like <laughs> or something whatever that type of thing but yeah. that would probably be interesting enough for someone to check it out and someone right. to like i pick that one just because you know what i don't want to take uptime so seriously like i yeah. i'm serious but it doesn't have to feel like 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 a monotonous yeah. bot throwing something at me and saying well, well and at, the,
0: down. at the very least it's just very easy to remember it's like oh that's the company that sends you gifs like okay that's cool
1: right um, yeah like, <laughs> uptime is not a joke but it can still be funny okay there's there's a there's a there's, a tagline <laughs> there's for a the tagline in right the there. campaign
0: yeah yeah so. there you go status list 2.0 with gifs yeah.
1: So, um, I did, I did, uh, I'm sorry. No, go Go ahead. I was going to say, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the Netflix thing only because like my wife brought this up the other day and I think you mentioned, so two things, my wife brought up to me, we, we've been watching a couple shows on Netflix and she wondered like why they do the thing to basically try to hook you to watch the next episode. Hmm like they kind of leave a cliffhanger a lot of times in their series. And she's like, what's in it for them? Like, do they really like what, why, you know, why not just allow you to stop or whatever. And it became a good, interesting conversation about, about Netflix. Cause it dawned on me because you mentioned watching three out of the four episodes and it wasn't enough to make you watch the fourth one. You're like, eh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was okay. Uh, so I was tell I was telling her, I was like, it's, like I was like you wouldn't believe how much like you know data science and and testing that someone that net, like Netflix does like they do all kinds of stuff I was hearing on a podcast years ago about how well I was listening on a recent podcast but they were talking about tests they ran years ago about like sending dvds uh that the the new release dvds to a certain subset and of people and analyzing like their happiness ratings and things like
0: yeah that.
1: yeah and So it led to the conversation with her, which I was like, well, they do all kinds of experiments. I was like, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if there's an experiment that has been run that where you are like, it's not necessarily about, it's like, how can you get someone to peak happiness with Netflix? And it's by just letting that feed what you want. And, And if you're fed some interesting series and you spend six hours watching it, binge watching it, they drop it all at once. You spend till three in the morning, like that's something you talk about and remember. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it has this like peak happiness in your brain that you, you like slugged through sleep, slugged through the <laughs> next day because you <laughs> wanted to watch all those episode drops. And when you go to, you know, three months later, you're like, should I cancel? You're like, well, no, no, no. You don't even logically say it. Your brain just goes, well, no. They they are they are in charge of my happiness and give me all kinds of other things. Why would I cancel them? So I, I kind of, I don't know if that's the truth, but I sort of told her that like, maybe it's this, but I could see it being something like that on why they hooked you to binge
0: watch. Yeah. And I think like a part of it too, is just how much time you spend on their platform. Right. It's like, if you're spending a lot of time with them, then um, chances are, you're going to continue to do that. If there's, you know, cause you're getting value there. It's like scrolling through Facebook, right? Like it's not, it's not that great of an experience, but it's good enough that you keep coming back. If you keep coming back, you're going to keep paying and right. that's what they want. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. I find it fascinating. Just the amount of data they could have and just the amount of like, basically tapping into the the mm-hmm. human bin, human, human interest and in binge watching. Cause part of one of the podcast episodes I listened to was talking about just like they can make so many bets and and mm. with with high confidence because it's like they know all these people's viewing habits. So they almost know how much something is going to make for them before yeah. but when they're like bidding on buying the buying the the series or yeah. pilot or whatever else and just they know hey, you know, that's why people go back and like make fun of it because it's like oh, it's so formulaic. Yeah but people still watch it. It's
0: like, <laughs> how many romantic
1: comedies or stupid shows can you watch?
0: It's like, Yeah. So. <laughs> Apparently a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's really neat. I also noticed on Netflix, they have, um, they keep on telling you when they have like a Netflix original, like they mm-hmm. often will like make that very, very obvious to you. I always thought that was kind of strange because like as a consumer, I don't particularly care if it's a Netflix original. I know they care a lot cause it's like a good deal for them, but um, I thought that was interesting do you do you have any insights on why they would show that?
1: Um, I think you're just trying to also just maybe like make sure you know that there's a exclusivity about the the content, so it's like you're not gonna mm. have this content anywhere else, right? So like I think the biggest stroke against them in the past was like you're they're still beholden to buying the rights to other media, right? So now that they produce and make. So many of their own things. Like some of the r- recent ones, they actually had a couple of movies that have released in the theaters that were by them, but they did mm-hmm. it in the theater first and then they're bringing it to the platform. There's that whole. Um,
0: yeah, okay. I don't
1: know if you watch Knives Out, but there's like no. this other one called The Something Onion. And okay. me and my wife loved that, the Knives Out si- show movie. And um, they came up with a new one and it was apparently, it'll make it to Netflix streaming like in the next few weeks, but it was, they put out in the theater first, which was huh, that's
0: interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. That is really interesting. that make a lot of sense though, about like showing the exclusivity. I know that's a big deal. Like if you recognize that it it's exclusive, then you're more likely right. to stick you're around. Not, right. The you're not going to get this effect. on
1: Hulu or anything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Cool. So,
1: so anyway, I know this is sort of a grab bag episode of, uh, Talked about Netflix, talked about B2C, talked about status list, maybe created a drinking game, I don't know, or a, yeah. or, a, or a
0: reason to do more jokes. But I feel like you have one unanswered question that you have to tell us, yeah, is what sure. what notepad did you end up getting?
1: Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I got a super note.
0: Okay. And why did you get that one as opposed to Remarkable or the iPad one?
1: Uh yeah, it's I, I would say the biggest thing is the ones I was looking at were they're e ink, it is single focused. I think some of these labels, whether it's whether it's remarkable or supernote or anything, they're essentially they're carving out a like distraction free like mm. experience that is not it is differentiated from just like a uh,
0: like a tablet drawing. Like out. a
1: tablet. Right. right. Exactly. Like you can't browse, you can't Get apps. You're not streaming movies. This is like for productive, you know, work. And um, so I picked this one. Um, they're all e-ink based. It it also has a reader, like, but that was like a secondary function for me. Um, but um, I would say one of the biggest things was the fact of that they are, have a really strong community and they keep updating and they actually have a public Trello board, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But Part you, you and you talked about this with Patrick Colas and other things is like I can almost feel their values, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've continuously updated the stuff, it's in addition to they're never going to charge for uh syncing and remarkable and some of these other companies are trying to essentially double dip, right? It's like buy the device and also you have to oh, you want some of that functionality that you feel like should be core, like. We're gonna we're gonna have you on a premium subscription for that. And I was like uh, that just yeah. that devices with subscriptions like just feel wrong to me. And maybe I'm old school and I get it. We do we're in subscription thing, but it's like yeah, what should be core set versus providing additional value is like right. you gotta thread that needle and, and if you're stretching on pull like if someone thinks it's core and you're charging extra for it that
0: yeah that feels feels dirty there. yeah yeah no i'm right there with you i hate it when that sort of thing happens i feel like i'm getting taken yeah but cool yeah. cool so
1: anyway all right well i think that wraps it up for today so
0: sounds good thank you josh right. Later, hey? Bye. thanks for joining us today if you enjoyed our podcast please share with a friend we're new to this podcasting thing and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Tweet us at searching for SAS on Twitter. That's searching the number four SAS or send an email to searching for SaaS at gmail.com. See you next week.